Well, today we begin a new series in the book of Luke, uh, Encountering Jesus. So it'll be great if you could have that Bible reading open in front of you from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 38. And let's pray as we get stuck in. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. And thank you so much that you have revealed yourself to us, that you have given us the light, you have given us yourself. And so we pray this morning as we open up your word, may we hear from you. Lord, speak, O Lord, as we come to you. We pray this in your name. Amen. A few years ago, I went to a U2 concert. Uh, We went with some good friends of ours. Uh, We were actually invited by them, and the father of the family was actually used to be the minister at a church in Ireland where the Edges, who's the guitarist, father went to. So there was a special invitation. Uh, We had a pretty different experience to the rabble of the crowds. Uh, We went into a back entrance into Suncorp Stadium. We had some canapes and had some beverages at a private lounge. And then someone approached us saying that the Edge wanted to meet and say good day to the family. Now, I'm a bit of a U2 tragic, so at this point my heart was racing. Am I going to get let him? Are we going to be able to meet the Edge? Only the family was let backstage. Uh, was I disappointed? Of course. But on that night, I was only one person away from meeting him. So that made me a little bit chuffed. However, if I had encountered the edge, would it have been exciting? Of course. Would have I totally embarrassed myself by saying something silly? Most definitely. Would it have been completely and cataclysmically life-changing? I don't think so. But what if I told you that today you can encounter someone who doesn't just give you bragging rights with your mates, but entrance into a kingdom which lasts forever, which gives you everlasting peace, forgiveness, and redemption. And you don't have to know people in the know to be able to meet him. Uh, You don't need a backstage pass to be able to meet him, but he invites you personally to meet him today. Well, the great news is that we can encounter this person, and his name is Jesus. Whoever we are, whatever our background is, whatever our history, Jesus invites us to come to know him and come to encounter him and put our trust in him and be part of his everlasting kingdom. Uh, That's why over the next 12 weeks, we're going to be seeing 12 different encounters with Jesus from 12 different people from all various kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of places. And what we'll see is that the good news that Jesus offers isn't just for us and isn't just for people like us, but that Jesus is for all people. That the gospel is for all people that we might encounter and that the gospel drives us into actively telling other people And that when people do meet Jesus and accept him, that encounter is a cataclysmically life-changing encounter. So firstly today, we're going to see two people who met Jesus. Uh, One, just your run-of-the-mill, everyday Israelite bloke who was a faithful follower of the Lord. 
Uh, the other, an old female prophet, again faithfully following the Lord, who encountered Jesus as a baby. And we'll see that Jesus is indeed the long-awaited Messiah, the Saviour who brings salvation for everyone, but is also a cause for stumbling for others. Uh, his arrival brings great relief, ultimate satisfaction, and the praise and glory of God. So just to give us some context in Luke, this book was written by Luke, who also wrote the book of Acts. Uh, it was probably only written about 30 years after Jesus. And from the very first verses of the book, here are the things that Luke wants us to know. He wants us to know that this is an orderly account. Uh, it's been put together skillfully with intention in an ordered way. It stands up under a microscope. And it is written so that the original readers and us may have certainty about the things of Jesus, about the things of God. In our terms, it is written so that after sitting down after a long, hard day of work with your favorite cup of coffee and open up this book, and when we finish it, we are left with no doubt that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, not all Jewish people were waiting for the Messiah, but this person was prophesied about many, many centuries before Jesus stepped onto the scene. Uh, prophesied throughout the whole Old Testament. We don't have time to go through it all, but here are the spark notes. Here are the too-long-didn't-read version. Uh, at the very beginning of the Bible, uh, Eve was promised that someone would come to crush the head of the evil one. Uh, Abraham was promised that all people... That is, well, you and me, we're all people, would be blessed through his family line. A David was promised that there would be a king right down his family tree. That is, that his great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson of his will be king forever. So then, by the end of the Old Testament, the Israelites had been taken away by a foreign nation, They've then been told to go back to their nation. They've attempted to rebuild the city and rebuild the temple, but it's a shambles compared to what they originally had. There was no king who was reigning forever. And then there are 400 years of political restlessness. No prophets. No word from God. Seemingly silent. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be an Israelite during this period? Can you just imagine their thought patterns? Uh, God, what are you doing at the moment? Uh, there are all these promises of restoration, of Messiah, of, of someone to save us. Lord, when are they going to happen? Lord, can I actually really trust you? Uh, it would have been so tempting for them to throw up their hands and go, well, that's it. We're all by ourselves now. But the great truth is that they weren't by themselves. That God hadn't forgotten his people, that God hadn't forgotten his promises. And God sent himself. Jesus. God in flesh is born. At Mary gives birth to a son and they give him the name Jesus. They have him circumcised, as the Jewish law required of them. 
Today in our reading, we saw that they do all the sacrifices and all the rituals that were necessary underneath the Jewish law. Uh, This reminds us that Jesus was, in fact, a Jew. He is a Jewish Messiah. He became human and came under all the rituals and regulations of the Jewish nation. But as we see, his salvation is for the nations, for everyone. And then we are introduced to Simeon. Who is Simeon? Well, Simeon is a man. Uh, That's what Luke tells us. Look at me from verse 24. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now, this is remarkable. Some of the first people to encounter the worldwide Messiah weren't the rock stars or the celebrities of the day, but his everyday parents, some lowly shepherds, some wise men, and a man. Uh, Simeon is described as an everyday person, just like you and me, empowered by the Holy Spirit. In the midst of seemingly silence from God, of what was desperate times for the Jewish nation, Simeon wasn't doing anything remarkable, but he was faithfully following the Lord, righteous and devout, waiting on the Lord to come through on his promises of the Messiah, waiting for there to be relief, comfort, peace, joy. And he was told that he wouldn't die until this time had come. He was an ordinary man who God did extraordinary things through. Now, this is a bit of an aside, but maybe we might think that we're a bit ordinary. Uh, Maybe we can think that we're just a bit standard, unremarkable. Uh, Maybe all this talk of being disciple-making disciples, of making a hundred new disciples this year in St. Bart's, uh, makes us think that that we should just leave that towards the other people. Uh, More qualified people who have been in the church for longer. People who know their Bible better. Perhaps we think that God is better off using more qualified people than just little old us. Well, I've got good news. Uh, This is what we see throughout the Bible, that God uses everyday, ordinary people like you and me, like Simeon, for his purposes, with the presence and help of the Holy Spirit. There is no one who God can't use. There is no one who is too extraordinary. There is no one who is too ordinary for God to use. So we're all on mission together. But back to Simeon. Uh, One day he went into the temple and Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus were there doing all their duties and customs as set out by the law. And he took Jesus. Uh, The word is that he actually received Jesus like anyone in the world really should and praised God. Now we have to remember here that Jesus is still a baby, around 30 to 40 days old. Uh, My niece Sadie is almost one year old. Uh, Now she has a little personality. She gets around uh, quite easily. Uh, She wants to catch up with her older siblings. 
but she's so grown up compared to where she was 11 months ago. But Jesus is still in that newborn stage. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't performed any miracles. He wasn't walking on his bathwater or anything like that. He wasn't doing any talking. He was doing what any newborn does, eating, crying, and not adhering to a normal sleep schedule. 100% human. So Simeon encounters this little bundle of a baby, looks down at him, and says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. At long last, there is relief. The time has come. The Saviour is here. All this waiting and unrest in Israel and, and the world is over. Simeon holds in his hands the world's saviour. He's satisfied. He's ready to go. He's ready to die. Because he has seen all he needed to see in Jesus. He has seen that all of God's plans and promises are going to come about through this little helpless child in his arms. He's seen in verse 30 God's salvation. Uh, he doesn't yet know the intricacies of the workings of the cross, of, of atonement, of justification by faith. He hasn't got it all worked out. But he sees Jesus and he knows that it's all going to work out. And he knows that salvation isn't just for Israel, but for the whole world also. God's salvation work isn't just to be done in a small corner reserved for just some special people but it's for everyone, for everyone we come across, for you and for me. Uh, he says that Jesus brings the light of the knowledge of God for the Gentiles. Uh, God is making himself known to us. If we want to get to know God, get to know Jesus. He is in every way good news for all people, and all of this happens in and through Jesus and Simeon is perfectly satisfied in knowing this. Christ is enough for Simeon. He feels no need to travel the world, to work his way up in his career, to have a little bit more me time, or he doesn't need to check off these things in his bucket list. He's seen Jesus. With amazing awe and wonder, and perhaps tears welling up in his eyes. He's seen that God will come through on all his promises. And this baby Jesus is the same Jesus that we have or can meet if you haven't yet met him yet. He is the one who brings us comfort. He is the one who will bring us peace. He's the one who we can find our satisfaction and our joy in. But he's also the one who is the great divider. Now, I simply 
can't comprehend this and, and, and don't get this, but the herb coriander is one of the most divisive things in modern society. Uh, there are Facebook groups dedicated for those who love coriander, and there are Facebook groups for those who have a strong dislike to it. It is a great divider. Uh, sport can also be the cause of a great derision and division. Uh, you're either a blue supporter or a maroon supporter, or the decision that the referee made was an absolute howler, or of course the referee made the absolute right call. Uh, very, very divisive. But the division and rising and falling that Jesus causes is even greater. <laughs> After Simeon's praise, he goes on and gives his parents a warning. Look with me from verse 34. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now there can be a misunderstanding about Jesus. Jesus always being meek and mild. Jesus just wanting people to get along and play nicely. He was just a, a guru giving out motivational speeches and, and good advice. But that's simply not the picture that we get of Jesus in the Bible. Uh, yes, Jesus wants all people to repent and to turn to him and to live for him. But his message is polarizing. As we'll see in Luke, some people will accept Jesus and worship him as Lord, but others will reject Jesus and want him killed. Jesus will divide between light and dark. He'll cause disruption. Those who are proud will be humbled, and those who are humbled will be exalted. Uh, this is exactly what Mary sung about in her song in chapter 1 in Luke, uh, where she explains how God operates. She sings that he has brought down the rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich empty away. And this is exactly what Jesus will do in his lifetime in Israel. The gospel will either be great news and a sweet fragrance to others, but to others it will be a stench, an offence. But Jesus will also cause disruption in our very own lives. For when we see our lives in comparison to that of Jesus we'll see just how fallen and dark our hearts are. How much our lives don't stack up to how he lived. Our darkest thoughts are revealed for what they are because of him. But we can have confidence and have no shame because we can remember that this is exactly why Jesus came to save and rescue people like you and me from the grips of sin. But also Jesus' mother's heart will be broken too. This firstborn child of hers, this special baby, is going to grow up. About 33 years later, be strung up on a cross, and her soul too will be pierced as she'll watch her son's lifeless body be pierced with a spear.
And it's because of that death that our sin and death is done away with. We can have full assurance of salvation, of light, of being satisfied because of this death and resurrection of Jesus. And this is who Jesus is. He'll cause disruption. He'll ruffle feathers. He'll, he'll comfort the lost and the lonely, but also be a stumbling block to those who are too proud to accept him. So then this isn't just a warning for Mary and for Joseph, but also a warning for us. Everything is on the table here. Everything that we could ever need is in front of us and on offer to us in Jesus. And if we humble ourselves and accept him and turn to him, all the things that he offers will be ours. However, if we are proud and if we reject him or even sit on the fence with Jesus, none of these promises will be ours. So if you haven't yet, don't put off turning to Jesus. Next up, we are introduced to Anna, who encounters Jesus. Uh, we're given a little bit of background information about her life, uh, but it is emphasised that she is really quite old. Uh, we're told that she could be anywhere between 85 and 103. Uh, by any means, Anna is just an everyday, ordinary person who has had a lot of hurt in her life, but a person who is still faithfully waiting for the Messiah and asking God to come through on his promises. Uh, she was fasting and praying. She knew that something wasn't quite right in Israel. She, she knew that God had something so much better in store for, the, for them. And so if you noticed, she was continually in the temple, praying and worshipping God and asking him to come through on his promises. And then she too encounters Jesus. Verse 38 Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Her encounter with Jesus, after many long years of waiting, after finally seeing Jesus with her old eyes that has seen so much, Cause her to give such great thanks and praise to God, then also to telling others about what she had just seen. She had seen the Redeemer. She had seen the Saviour. This is exciting news. The, the moment is here. The time is up. Jesus has come to save, redeem, comfort, forgive, bring together not only those in Jerusalem, but also the whole world. Yes, friends, he came for us. There is no one else who we can turn to. There is nothing else that can save us. There is no amount of money that we could save up to buy salvation with. There is no degree that will grant us access to God. There is no amount of 
good deeds that we can do to try and rescue us. But all we can do is run to Jesus. Be in awe and wonder at Jesus, just like Simeon, Anna, Mary and Joseph. Learn more about Jesus. Invest time with Jesus. Be loved by Jesus. Turn to Jesus and love him back with all that we have. Because there is none greater than he. He is the pinnacle of salvation. He is the one who brings the gospel to fruition. All the promises find its yes in him. And when we see him and encounter him, We can turn to him, find rest in him, find forgiveness and grace in him, and be satisfied in him, just like Simeon and Anna. So let's pray and ask God to help us. Gracious Lord, how we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much that you're a God who comes through on your promises. That your promises are sure. That your word is certain. That in the midst of a changing world that we can rest in your changelessness. And so, Heavenly Father, as we encounter Jesus afresh, we pray that you would restore our awe. Help this news never to grow stale. But help us to be continually refreshed in you. To run to you. To find our satisfaction in you. And then to tell others about your great news. And so we pray this in your name. Amen.